Y2, green right off, nasty. Hound 2, Y booty, X facing back right on. 580! Green 87! GLIAC Football Weekly starts right now. Now here's your host, Jake Reitma. Oh yes, that is me, and this is GLIAC Football Weekly. Back with you for week two, season two, episode two, however you want to classify it. Jake Reitma, so glad you're tuning in to GLIAC Football Weekly. And even more excited because we have actual results to get into it's none of no more of this preview stuff and looking ahead we had action on the field in week one we're going to get into that we also have a fantastic interview with the northern michigan wildcats head coach kyle nystrom that'll be the middle portion of today's episode of course and then we close it out with our picks for week two but gliac football weekly the latest and greatest on the gridiron in the gliac i'm your host jake ritma welcome one welcome all if this is your first episode tuning in here's how the program works we dive into the results we have a feature interview and then we close it out with picks and we sprinkle in some mailbag now now there there were no um submissions i should say this week so maybe maybe nobody was listening maybe people are are a little bit uh, shy and cautious in getting the ball rolling or or maybe frankly you just you, you you've had enough of me and you don't want to write in all for whatever reason it is i i extend the invite once again this week send in some comments comment on the poll on d2football.com or i should say the column not the poll but i write a weekly column for the gleac covering the GLIAC for D2Football.com. And then, of course, we've got the GLIAC Football Weekly. But feedback, always welcome. Excuse me. Doing the, the only one here doing this, you know, when you have to clear your throat like that, it can be problematic. But here we go. GLIAC Football Weekly, Season 2, Episode 2. Let's dive into the Week 1 results. The GLIAC goes 4-3 and three in a non-conference schedule. Seven of the eight teams in action. Grand Valley had their week one opener canceled, but they'll be kicking it off at Lubbers Stadium under the lights in week two, which of course we'll get to in the picks section of the program. But Thursday, September 2nd action, tough day for the Gleek. They go one and two with Ferris State blowing out Finley in the lone victory for the Gleek on Thursday, 50 Four to fourteen, Northwood fell in overtime to Gannon, twenty-eight to twenty-one. Timberwolves scored late to tie it, forcing overtime. But unfortunately, it was the Knights who prevail victorious with an overtime touchdown, and then they got the stop. Wayne State falling twenty-four to twenty-one to Slippery Rock, and this one oh so close for the Warriors and Paul Winter, so close to knocking off a top 10 opponent and having their revenge from the 2019 game that saw Slippery Rock blow out the Warriors. But this was a game that the Warriors could feel. They could, they had it in their grasp, first and goal from the six-yard line, under a minute to play. But the Rock defense stands tall and forces the turnover on downs, or should say just the goal line stand, resulting in the 24-21 win for Slippery Rock. But let's get into this Ferris State victory. Oh my goodness, 54-14. to Jared Bernhardt, the former Division I lacrosse star out of Maryland, transferring to Ferris State to get it done on the gridiron. Seven, seven touchdowns in his college debut, college football debut. Three through the air and four on the ground. I mean, the numbers are are 
frankly, I, I don't want to say insane because, I mean, it, it happened, but just, I mean, it's it's incredible what he did. Again, I mentioned the, the seven touchdowns, but how about some of the statistics, too? And again, of course, he's the GLIAC player of the week and the D2 national player of the week, but in the 54-14 victory for the Bulldogs, Bernhardt, let's, let's see, seven touchdowns, including... 12 rushes for 120 yards, 10 yards a carry, and 12 of 14 for 218 yards through the air but and three touchdowns. But seven total touchdowns as Ferris State rolls Finley. The Bulldogs move up to number two in the national D2 poll. Saturday's action for the GLIAC will start with the early game. That was Truman and Davenport. The Panthers fall 31-14. to this one, if you read the recap, a couple of turnovers by the Panthers, but also the running game by Truman proved to be costly for Davenport. They just could not get off the field defensively, and the Bulldogs controlling the, the pace, the clock, all of that that a good running game does, and they're victorious 31-14. to And Wayne State will try to avenge a Gliak loss against Truman in Week 2. So it'll be the Bulldogs and the Wayne State Warriors in Week 2. Northern Michigan, who our guest, of course, is Kyle Nystrom, coming up later in the program. They get a big win with a 27-20 win over McKendry. They scored a touchdown late to pull ahead, and then the defense got a stop. And we're at one game that I was wrong about. It's the Michigan Tech Huskies with a win over the Hillsdale Chargers up in Houghton. 14-10 the final in this one. This one, I I mentioned in the column that I expected it to be kind of a... uh, defensive battle a grinded out type of game and I'm not often right so the few times that I am I gotta not not I mean it's gonna injure myself here patting myself on the back reaching around but that was exactly how this one played out 0-0 at halftime 3-0 after three quarters of play but the Huskies get two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to pull ahead for the 14-10 win Will Ark had two passes through the air that were completed for touchdowns. Saginaw Valley, I thought it'd be an offensive explosion for the Cardinals over Texas A&M Kingsville, but this was a defensive-minded game. 13-9 the final. The Cardinals do get the win, and if you listen to Ryan Brady's post-game press conference, a lot of things to clean up for the Cardinals, who will look to continue the winning ways. They got a tough, tough game in Week 2 against Bowie State. Let, let's go ahead and uh, give a shout out to the defensive player of the week as well, Sidney McLeod out of Ferris State, senior cornerback, strong defensive performance in the big win. A pair of passes he picked off, and then of course uh, forced some turnovers. And overall, the Bulldogs' defense was just uh, really impressive. Obviously, as the score would indicate, and that's why they're the number two team in uh, the country. Special teams player of the week. Connor Lutzik from Saginaw Valley State, two fourth quarter field goals that, of course, as the 13-9 score indicated, were absolutely crucial in the victory. So once again, your week one slate, the GLIAC goes four and three. The three teams that fell were Northwood, Wayne State, and Davenport, your four teams that were victorious, Ferris State, Northern Michigan, Michigan Tech, and Saginaw Valley. And real quick on Saginaw Valley, if I may, and I I said this in the column, so it's nothing new, but those that have listened to the program know I'm a big football uniform guy, like kind of, in fact, kind of a geek about it. And I know there's others that share the same uh, 
the same passion that I have. And passion sounds funny. I guess uh, intrigue would be a better word for it. And for whatever reason, whenever I talk about teams' uniforms, I always it, it seems to be what's discussed most about either the podcast or the the column on D2 football. And I even, of course, I spoke, this stemming from when I spoke out against Ferris State's gray uniforms, I said they look like fireman uniforms, and the Ferris folks just had a dizzy about all that. And I still, I still get slack from them to the point where I think uh, Harrison Watt over there, who, shout out to my guy, the play-by-play voice for the hockey team and does all kinds of work with the athletic department. Great guy, great friend, and we like to give each other a hard time and whatnot. But he photoshopped a gray Ferris State uniform with my name on it, with Reema on the back. Um, that's how much they get after me over there at Ferris State, which I love. But I'm going to offer up perhaps an even worse uniform than the gray uniforms that Ferris State tend to wear from time to time, and that's SVSU's all-Navy uniforms. What are we doing with these? I mean, my goodness, I'm looking at a picture of them right now, and don't even get, I know you're going to, I again, said this in the column, you guys are going to say, oh, Jake, you're just a hater because you went to Northwood. No, I mean, Northwood, Northwood has the best color wave of anybody in the GLIAC. That's not even up for discussion because it's obvious. And the, the powder blues that they brought out, even Harrison, again, going back to Harrison Watt, gave me a shout out on Twitter for how sharp the Timberwolves home uniforms looked with the, the powder blue tops, the white helmets and white pants. But Saginaw Valley with the all Navy uniforms, I just don't understand the, the thought process behind this because you've got a logo with a red cardinal that has a yellow beak and then the rest of it that makes up the accents the kind of the face part and the um the feathers if you will are like black accents and when you project that up against a navy blue helmet you just can't see it very well and then it's like a weird thick stripe at the in down the front of it with red face mask and the uniforms are mostly navy blue with white so you've got white cardinals across the chest i will say this though i like the number font on the uniform again if you go to the svsucardinals.com um, their their website just click on the game one recap it's got a big picture with a couple of svsu players there that you can see the uniforms in detail but the navy blue helmet with the red face mask just it doesn't work for me and again you're gonna say i'm being a hater which is fine um i offer up uniform opinions from time to time so <laughs> this is obviously not biased at all but best of the week by far northwood the white helmets with the light blue tops just look so sharp and the white pants i've been calling for white helmets light blue top and white hel- or white pants for for years to the point back to the point when i was a player back in 2014 i used to design jersey mocks that i wanted northwood to wear and that was my top top pick um, and finally shout out to the boys coach haynes and everybody else that got the ball rolling with those um, but saginaw definitely saginaw valley state worst of the week with those uniforms it just what are we and we also got to decide svsu are we are we red and black or are we red and navy i believe you're red and navy that's what i'm going to go with the basketball program uses navy um volleyball and and baseball everybody softball everybody uses navy but if you go to the header um this again i'm on on the website right now so that's what i'm looking at but you'll see it around the school as well but the logo is almost all red and black and then the outline in the font of svsu under the cardinal logo also red and black or maybe it's just a much much darker blue than the navy uniforms or the navy uh you know the navy 
script that they have throughout campus and whatnot but it's just there's there's too much going on it's either red and black or red and navy blue and the outline again on the field of the the football field it, there's a lot of black so i'm just you you got to decide i just don't think red black and navy works you got to be red and navy or red and black but uh, my two cents worth less than that i'm sure i'm gonna have cardinals in my dms um and and that's fine because there was nobody in my dms this week which is why we're not having a a portion of the program dedicated to the listener feedback um, that we call the mailbag. So um, whatever, whatever, whatever wets your whistle, whatever floats your boat, send it in because that helps run this program. So if, it, if you want to get on me for my uniform take, that is totally fine. I embrace that. But I've wasted too much time. We've got a special guest for the GLIAC Football Weekly Season 2, Episode 2. That is head coach of the Northern Michigan Wildcats, Kyle Nystrom. Thanks for joining us. We welcome him on now. Kyle Nystrom, head coach of the Northern Michigan Wildcats. All right, as promised, we now welcome on the head coach of the Northern Michigan Wildcats, Kyle Nystrom, joining us for Episode 2 of GLIAC Football Weekly. Coach Nystrom, I'm interrupting game planning. How are you? No, we're good. We're good. We're, we're near the end. So you're not really interrupting too much. You know, you get to Thursday and you work on a few things and polish a few things and try to get tightened up and, and play good ball. So it's not that bad right now. No doubt about it. And uh, I know at, you get to that point at some point where it's the haze in the barn, right? Yeah, about Friday evening. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, I'm going to have you uh, dig all the way back in the memory bank to Saturday and give us a little recap of that week win, week one win over McKendry. It was tied late. You guys get a score and then a stop. How, how crucial was it um, just to get a big win like that on the road and get the season started right? Yeah, it was one of the biggest wins I've ever had to have ever as a, as a head coach. Um, I mean, we're going to, we're going to have to have a tight year. It was, it was difficult getting ready for, we had a week off. We had to take a week off because of COVID. So we had our first week of camp and then, uh, uh, the, 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 you know, we had, I think we had like 10 days and then we had to take a week off from the Thursday to a Friday almost to get everything cleaned up and tested right again. And then we started practice Friday afternoon was six days off, uh, the, you know, really the Friday before the, uh, the week in front of the game. So we had to really hustle. And so we, and it, you know, it was not so much the game planning. It's just, they haven't been on the field for six days and that's not a good scene. And so to get them, you know, game ready, we, we practiced Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and lightened up a little bit on Wednesday, but we had to, we really had to chase and get ready to go. And it's a long trip. We left Thursday. So that was going to be, yeah, that was going to be my next question. I like to rank the road trips that um, you, you go through as, as a, as a football player in this league and at the very, at the worst, I mean, without a doubt, my worst road trip was to, to McKendry and I think it's Lebanon, Illinois or, or something like that. And I can't even imagine from, from Marquette, it's even further. So what was that process? Like you said, you left Thursday. Yeah, we left, we left. So we had our day off Thursday. And so we loaded the buses. I, I want to say it was around one, two o'clock or so. And we, we went to Madison and stayed in Madison for the night and then drove and then get up and practiced in the morning at Sun Prairie High School. And then um, we drove 
after that, we drove all the way down to Lebanon, which that was a long haul. It's worse on the way back. That was the, the worst. I mean, after the game, and it was, you know, it was a, it was a two o'clock East time start. And so by the time we get rolling at six o'clock and we, we, we pull into Marquette at six in the morning. So it was a, it was a tough road back when you do it all, bite it off at one chunk. It was, it was a rough, it was a rough trip. Uh, but we did a good job with it. I thought the players handled it really well. Uh, I liked it in a sense because I've got them to myself for two days. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the, the the golden lining in that. You get them to yourself and you don't have to share them with anything else. So you can get them ready to play a football game pretty good. And we we focused in and did a pretty good job. You know, we started the first half really well. I I, I want to recall, I think, McKendry had 40 yards of offense in the first half. So we played really well on defense. And then, um, and I, you know, Rip, I attribute that a lot of that um, to, you know, for preparation and getting them ready. You know, uh, we did a nice job with that. The coaches did a great job, but ultimately the players are to, are to take the uh, credit for that. Um, and the offense, we were really, really productive moving the ball. We just didn't get enough points. We kept squandering the points and you know, that that's got to get corrected. We can't be doing that. We can't, we can't be inefficient with productivity with, as far as the, the points on the board go. And then <laughs> the second half, we ran into a lot of cramping and it's hot. It's, it's hot down there. There's no way that I can prepare those players and Marquette for that, what they're going to experience down there. It's almost like the Ozarks, you know, it's just that real <laughs> thick, it's real thick, you know, humid. Right. And, and there was no sun, but we had a lot of thunderstorms the night before. So we had some cramping. The whole, all, all the safeties were out of the game in the middle of the third quarter, but I did get, we did get them back for the fourth quarter. The corners hung in there and we went through it and we stalled a little bit on offense and they came back in the game, but we bit back. You know, that was great to see us bite back and, and regain the lead and keep it. And, you know, there's a lot of key players that were responsible for that. And, um, but as a team, you know, I haven't seen us do that since, uh, you know, probably my third year here. Um, and so it was good to see we're, we're a better team. We've got more team speed and, and, uh, we're more athletic. So I was happy to get the win there and, and, and get back to Marquette and get ready for Oshkosh. They're a good football team. No doubt about that. Kyle Nystrom with us on GLIAC football weekly. The Wildcats get a 27-20 win over McKendry. And as you mentioned, Coach, uh, that, that long trip is a little bit better after a win, but you're in the uh, friendly confines of the Superior Dome this week, taking on UW Oshkosh. What have you uh, seen on film? And uh, what's, what's the game plan uh, for, for the Wildcats to be victorious on Saturday? Now we got we to like clean up some of the stuff on offense we talked about. We'll do what we do um, on both sides of the ball. They're, they're a veteran team and a veteran coaching staff. Pat's been there for quite some time. You know, he's going to be a, uh, he's going to be a hall of fame coach there in Wisconsin. If he's not already, uh, he's been in the state all his life and he's been at Oshkosh for a long time. They've been very successful in the state league. Um, probably, you know, them and whitewater arguably are the most prestigious teams in there. And, um, you know, there's a little bit, there's a little, we, let's say it this way. We, we need to be productive recruiting in Wisconsin to be good at Northern and football. Uh, that's what we were back in the seventies and eighties and, and into, into the early nineties to some extent. 
but we haven't been what since we've been here we fought hard to get back in there but we're not where we need to be yet and so this is a critical game for us to to be able to um you know showcase our program uh, so this is important pro this important game for us in recruiting and stature in, in the state of wisconsin which we need to be good in so you know there's a lot to play for for us there's a little bit of a rift between the state league perception of the GLIAC, i think and um so there's a there's some there's some there's some blood boiling in that 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 little mechanism also and so um we should be ready to play Absolutely. And you kind of alluded to it a little bit. Um, it's on my list of questions. I'll, so I'll get to it now, but just the recruiting and what that landscape looks like at Northern Michigan. Talk about the importance of Wisconsin guys. And uh, I'm sure there's a, there, Marquette is a unique place. There's some pros and there's some cons, um, but um, kind of going along with what you were alluding to there, what is it like recruiting prospective student athletes to Northern Michigan? Uh, it's, you have to find the right kind of player that to come to Northern, particularly from lower Michigan. Uh, recruiting in the UP, we've got some nice, nice players here. We just need more of them, you know, and the schools aren't as big as, as they once were in the UP. They've lost a lot of enrollment in the high schools. Uh, even you look at Marquette High School, I went to ninth grade there, and I think there was somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,100 plus students in that school at that time. And when my daughter finished there just a couple of years ago, there's like between 650 and 700 kids in there. So, you know, if you look at what it's done to Marquette, you can just imagine what it's done to Kingsford, Iron Mountain, right. uh, Escanaba, so on and so forth, the Sioux. So we've lost a lot of foot, the number of football players in the high school programs in the UP. Um, we really got some nice kids from Marquette here. The most recent one is Cam Carp, who had a real good, real good career at Marquette and they've done a nice job. Eric's done a nice job with the program and we were glad to get Cam here. Um, and so we, we get, we, we try like heck to get the best players that we feel can be plus players out of the UP. And then we're, we'll, we'll go down lower Michigan, but we got to look for the right kind of guy that, you know, wants what Marquette Northern has to offer. If they don't want that, it, it's, it gets very difficult to pull them past the rest of the people down there in the league. Um, and then we got to head into Wisconsin and we have found some good players that have come to Northern. We just want more of them. You know, our, our hit ratio down there has got to get better. You know, I would say on the players we want, we're somewhere one to three where we need to be two to three um, and, and pull that off. So we keep working on that. And then for our recruiting, Chicago has probably been very, probably been the most, you know, well um, received recruiting for us. Uh, the, the, a lot of our players are coming from the Chicago metro area. Uh, they want to come to Marquette. The moms want them to come to Marquette. You know what I mean? Right. And it's it's safe for them here, and and they and they and they like it here. I don't I don't have like the um, you know the bridge mental block on our players from Chicago. You know, they just come up. It's a little, it's an easier drive for them than a lot of the, you know, than Grand Rapids or Lansing or Detroit. Right. It's an easy drive for them. So um, they're, they're pretty receptive to come to Northern to play football. And if you look at our roster, you probably, you probably, that would probably stand out to you that the, how many Illinois players are on the team. Absolutely. Visiting with Kyle Nystrom here on Gleak Football Weekly. Coach, 
your father, Buck, was a legendary coach. My father, Pat Ritma, a coach. Growing up, the the son of a coach, um, it's inevitable that you you learn all kinds of life lessons, coaching lessons, and now you're following, obviously, in that that same career path. Um, as you look to kind of some of the the wisdom that he passed on to you, what are what are some of the the takeaways that you use in your your everyday coaching approach? It was not only him, it was all the people around our family in football too, which I'm sure you well know, it's probably the same for you, but it was, you know, the coach Bolas, uh, you know, uh, coach Perlis, uh, you know, coach Fairbanks, you know, coach McBride, there was all kinds of coach Dodge. There was all kinds of coaches, you know, in our family circle. And, and so I watched all those people coach all my life. And so they're all, the majority of them were Duffy Doherty disciples. So they were really, really on top of uh, the fundamentals and the basics and being good at that before they, they ventured off into other areas of development. So, you know, that, that's just the way I am. Uh, you, can, you can draw up on the board and think you're going to gain an advantage with a hat here or a hat there, but if you don't block well and if you don't tackle well and you don't run well and you can't drop your hips and change direction and you can't catch and you can't throw uh, and you can't block defeat and get off of things, you're wasting your time. So, you know, I've always been probably a little bit overboard in that area. And so I was like the most unhappy person in the world when they outlawed uh, Oklahoma drill, you know, <laughs> they're Oklahoma drill on the NCAA tape didn't even look close to what we do. Ours is a lot better and more safe, but they outlawed it and you can't do those kinds of things. And I, when you get to a game, you're going to be in that situation. You, there's no way around it. And uh, I always, I'm a firm believer in a player has to have been there before and not just on the, on the chalkboard or the marker board or in the film room. You got to put him in there. He's got to go through it live, you know, in person and in color. To, to really for a coach to expect them to win that play or that situation. So that's the way I am. Absolutely. As I, I listen to that answer, I just get old school football guy mentality. Is that, uh, would you say that's a fair assessment of your, of your coaching style? Is that accurate? Yeah. It's, I'm just different than the, than my dad and those guys where they don't, they, I coach it and still have fun with the players where, you know, coach Buck and those guys, they used to rascal you pretty bad doing that, but. Um, those were those times. And, uh, but I like to teach all that stuff and rep all that stuff. And you just can find the and close quartered it up. So there's not a whole lot of steam in those kind of contact situations when you're able to rep them, but, um, and make it safe. But we have, we have fun teaching it when we used to do it here, all those kinds of drills, which we've had to get away from a little bit with the new rules. Absolutely. Well, coach, we really appreciate your time here on GLIAC football weekly. Um, Real quick, before we let you go, we'll get you out the door um, uh, just with one final thought. Part of what makes the GLIAC great, uh, college football in general great, are just some rivalries. And one of the best in the conference is the Miners' Cup game against Michigan Tech. It's, it's been a while, and I know I know coaches don't look ahead and you don't do the schedule watch thing uh, stuff. That's for me to do, so I'm doing it. You're not. But uh, a little bit just about what that rivalry means to you and, and uh, as a representation um, of the Upper Peninsula for this great league in the GLIAC. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a rivalry just like everybody else, whether you're Ferris and Grand Valley or Central Western or MSU and U of M and 
so on and so forth. But, um, you know, we need to win that game. It's been too long for Northern. It's been too long for Marquette. So, um, you know, we, we get ready for them one at a time. But it's like, I'm not going to lie to you. I think about it all the time. And so um, you, you want to be at your best when you get to that game. And so um, I'm looking forward to it, but not quite today. <laughs> I got another game to play. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, no doubt about it. And we wish you all the best against uh, UW Oshkosh and for the entire season, for that matter. And and if you need somebody, you need somebody to do an Oklahoma drill, Coach. I'm I, I can make my way up to the Upper Peninsula. I promise. I'll pull you and Zach in here and put a helmet on. You <laughs> oh, he he wouldn't want that. I mean, he would not. It'd be I I would I would hold nothing back, and uh, it'd be it'd be a tough day for him. But in all seriousness, Coach, thanks so much for your time. All right, Rip. Take care, buddy. All right. My thanks to Kyle Nystrom of Northern Michigan for stopping by GLIAC Football Weekly. Always a pleasure to speak with the head coach of the Wildcats as they look to go 2-0 and on the season for the first time since 2011. They'll take on UW Oshkosh, Wisconsin Oshkosh. All right, time now for the picks in week number two. All eight GLIAC teams in action. And in the column, I kind of worked backwards starting with the night game. So I think I'll do that. I'll go ahead and uh, and do that again here on the pod. Um, because we, we, we got to give the Lakers a little bit of airtime since they missed their first game um, that was canceled against Edinburgh. And they're in action. And what, an, what a game it is, a way to start against Colorado State Huelo, a matchup of top 25 teams, which will be exciting to tune into. Uh, under the lights, Lover Stadium, all that good stuff. And I, I think I like Grand Valley in this one. They're ranked number 21 in the D2 football. They're opening the season at home. And you know what? It, it's going to be a lively atmosphere, a tough place to play on the road. And I love the, the, the matchup of mascots here. Lakers is fine, but Thunderwolves for um, Colorado State Pueblo, which is, is just kind of fun to say. Thunderwolves. But these two teams did meet in a playoff game in 2015. Lakers won easily 31-7. to Although, you know, and I've said this before, but doing the whole series thing, oh, the last time these two teams met has nothing to do with anything, especially when it's you know, three or four or anything more than that years removed because it's just a, obviously a drastically different team. So I don't, I, and I'm guilty of it too. I always say, oh, the last time these two teams played, but here we are 2021. Give me the Lakers in an action packed one under the lights at Lovers Stadium. Other nightcap, um, it's a good one. Former former GLIAC rivals. This is the first year Ashland's not in the GLIAC for football, and uh, they'll be taking on Ferris State. Interesting note on this one, the Bulldogs, of course, up to number two in the top 25 poll, but the road team has actually dominated this series. I believe Ferris has won five of the last six. Uh, I beg your pardon, six of the last seven in Ashland, and the Eagles have won five of the last six in Big Rapids. So a series that's really been dominated by the road team, and I think that uh, I think that will continue here in 2021 with Ferris being too tough for Ashland. Give me the dogs in a um, in a win on the road, a night game, um, and and really a tough environment to play. Ashland's got a phenomenal venue, a great setup there in Ohio. Uh, Lee Owens' team are always tough and obviously Ashland had great success on the gridiron in the GLIAC winning a couple of uh, GLIAC championships there before they um, 
went off to the GMAC. But uh, Ferris Ashland should be a good one. I'll take the Ferris State Bulldogs. That one would be fun to watch under the lights at Ashland. Michigan Tech, uh, they're at home second consecutive week, taking on a Division I opponent, University of St. Thomas, Minnesota. I had to admittedly hand up, had to do some homework on this one because did not know a lot about St. Thomas other than the fact that they were formerly in a Division Three. This is going to be their first year at the Division One level, so quite the jump to go from Division Three to Division One. But wild story here. At Northwestern, where I attended grad school, I had a friend who played Division Three football at St. Olaf, which is in the... MEAC, I believe they call it. Yes, the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. It's a Division Three conference. And St. Thomas, who Michigan Tech's opponent is, was in that same conference. And this friend of mine who played at St. Olaf said, oh my gosh, they were a juggernaut. So they were a power at the Division Three level, but obviously a jump up to Division Two. I'm sorry, to Division One is quite the leap. So um, they'll have a Division Two opponent on Saturday in Michigan Tech. Michigan Tech being at home, tough place to play. We'll see if the boys and the Huskies can continue the winning ways. Um, Will Ark at quarterback. I, I like Michigan Tech in this one. Again, I just don't think you you go on the road to to into Houghton at Curley Stadium um, with a, in in uh, you know a new a new opponent that sort of thing. A lot of a lot of odds stacked against St. Thomas. So I'll take uh, and the Tommies. What a name, huh? St. Thomas Tommies. But I'll take the Michigan Tech Huskies in this one. Wayne State at home in search of a bounce back. Of course, after that heartbreaking loss to Slippery Rock, the Warriors um, are are taking on Truman State, who beat Davenport in week one. Truman State got the better of the Warriors in 2019. I think Wayne State bounces back here. They were so close against Slipper Rock, and that's going to be one of the best teams they play all year. Truman State, though, top 25 team. I don't um, receive votes for the top 25. They're not in the top 25, but that's uh, that's a team you can't sleep on and not exactly a cakewalk to bounce back with, but I still think Wayne State uh, gets it done. Northwood's on the road against 19th-ranked Tiffin, a former GLIAC opponent. I believe they left. Um, it's hard to keep track of the years with the COVID year and everything, so we'll I don't know, have it in front of me, but they left a few years ago with the rest of the private schools um, from Ohio. You know, the Ohio Dominicans, the Finleys, that that uh, that whole group. But uh, Northwood and Tiffin have played many, many times before. Tiffin much better on paper, and unfortunately, I think the Dragons get the win at home, and Northwood falls to 0-2. So I got to take Tiffin. Saginaw Valley State on the road against CIAA opponent and 23rd ranked Bowie State. First ever meeting between the Bulldogs and Cardinals. And um, Bowie State's 0-1, but they played a Division I FCS opponent in Delaware State and fell into a 19-0 deficit, but almost erased it. I think the Bulldogs are a tough, tough team. And playing at home, I'm, I'm going to take, uh, take Bowie State in this one. Northern Michigan, who we talked to, of course, Kyle Nystrom, a little bit more in detail. I'll take the Wildcats over Division Three opponent, Wisconsin Oshkosh. And uh, again, there's not a lot of series history here because, well, it's a Division Three opponent and that typically doesn't, doesn't happen. But uh, it'll be fun to see the Wildcats in action in the Dome, first home game since 2019. That's a fun atmosphere. And I've said it time and time again, I always loved playing at Northern Michigan, mostly because I didn't have to worry about bringing warm clothes to the Upper Peninsula like you do when you go to Michigan Tech. 
Davenport on the road against Walsh, Bob Cummings Field, and if you read my column, I'm, I'm just going to repeat this information because that was the field where my collegiate career ended. It was our final game of the season, so it was going to end regardless, um, but uh, it was the game. I, no, Again, Jake, you are boring us with this. You're boring us, but played the whole second half and uh, most of the first half. Not, again, nobody cares. Had some decent stats, but suffered a broken collarbone, separated shoulder when a left tackle just crunched me like a uh, like a bug. I mean, it was like it was like a trash compactor just and there goes the the collarbone and shoulder. So I was I was done for the career. But uh, that happened on Bob, Bob Cummings Field. But again, nobody cares. Let's get into the matchup. Davenport needs to bounce back against Walsh. And, um, you know, Sparky McEwen's squad, I just don't know what to make of them yet in the early going. It's only one game. Truman State is tough. But they got to figure out how to stop the run. And I think this one is kind of a toss-up, but I don't really know what to make of Walsh either. Difficult to follow the, the non-conference schedule as closely as the GLIAC, but I'm going to take Davenport, so we'll go with the Panthers. So again, my picks for this week, and I should have pointed out, again, not that anybody cares, but I was I was 5-2 and two last week, so the two I got wrong were Northwood and Michigan Tech. I thought Hillsdale would, um, and that one was a toss-up. I knew it would be, but I knew it was going to be a close game, but I thought Hillsdale still would find a way to win so five and two and this week I'm going with again Davenport to beat Walsh Northern Michigan over Wisconsin Oshkosh Bowie State over Saginaw Valley Tiffin over Northwood Wayne State over Truman Michigan Tech over St. Thomas Ferris over Ashland and Grand Valley State to defeat the Thunder Wolves of Colorado State Pueblo so there are your picks there's your show thank you so much for tuning in until next time, I wish you all the best in all of your endeavors. Thank you to Kyle Nystrom of Northern Michigan for hopping on. And please, please send send in um, ways to get in touch with the show on Twitter at Jake underscore Ritma, direct message. You can get in touch via the email, my email, jakeritma at gmail.com. Ritma is spelled R-I-E-P-M-A. And the beauty of on-demand audio is you could just hit that little rewind feature if, if you missed that and pick any part of the show you enjoyed most, probably with Kyle Nystrom because it wasn't me talking. But that's it for this week. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll talk to you again next week. Until then, I wish you all the best. Remember, go make a difference. Go mad. Gleek Football Weekly Season 2, Episode 2, in the books. He's back, he's locking, no locking, he's going for the end zone, he's got a touchdown! Thanks for listening to Gleak Football Weekly, tune in next time.